Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, footy fans of all ages, welcome to the fifth episode of Swans Talk and More, your 20-minute podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Park, and I am joined by two other Swans tragics in Stephen Trelaw, the Spider-Man, and Ash, I'm from Sydney, but 20 years ago, Oaks. Welcome along to Swans Talk, gentlemen. How are you, Ash? Thanks, mate. Yeah, very good, mate. Very good. Uh, good to be uh, coming on the show for the first time after a Swannies win. Yes, definitely. So, and how's stage three treating you? Um, it's interesting. Um, certainly nothing to complain about uh, in the grand scheme of things, especially with uh, the guys down in Melbourne being in stage four. So, yeah, it's not too bad at all. That's excellent. And Stephen, on to you stage four people. How are you travelling and how is the spider? Yeah, not too bad. So, um I just had a little bit of an experience in the bathroom uh, with an unexpected guest, which was a bit of a fright with parts showing and things. It was um, a little bit nerve wracking, but uh, all good there. Um, probably the most exciting thing has happened to me in stage four lockdown. So yeah, keep, keep the heart rate going. Well, that's terrific Bloody to huge. know. At least you're both keeping safe. And <laughs> I'll just let you know that down here in Tassie, we haven't had a case now in almost 40 days. and we're not even in stage two anymore. So just keep it up, Tasmania. All right. But let's start with a review of the Melbourne game. What an outstanding game. What an outstanding win. I work with four diehard Melbourne fans and every time Melbourne beat us, which I mind you is not very often, I get Melbourne paraphernalia all over my desk, in my classroom, everything. So, Ash, what was the actual score just to let those Melbourne fans know? <laughs> well, it's it's the score probably flattered uh, Melbourne a little bit, I'd say, but the Swans got over the line uh, 10-7-67 to the Demons 6-10-46. That's not a bad effort. Now, Stephen Trelaw, you are our stats man. Is there anything interesting to come out of this game at all? Um, yeah, well, we won, so let's see what we did right. Um, so it was kind of a tale of two halves uh, from my view. Um, Although Melbourne did uh, win quite a majority of the stats there. They had more disposals, more inside 50s, uh, more free kicks, more hitouts, which is pretty good when you have one of the best rucks in the comp. Uh, more uh, contested possessions, uh, I could keep going. Um, but I think, you know, um, if you look at the pressure stats, they're the ones where we really came out on top. And that second quarter, that was a thing of beauty. Totally agree, Stephen. It was amazing. It was probably our best game, or our, and that second quarter was probably our best quarter in two years. Ash, what do you think? Uh, one thing that just uh, just popped into my head then, we, we did lose the free kick count, which is pretty common for us, but I haven't seen anybody complaining about it online like they normally do when we lose. So that's, uh, that's interesting. I think it was 18-13 or something along those yep. lines. Um, it did feel to me watching the game live that despite the stats, especially in the, uh, the hitouts and, and stats like that, that we didn't exactly get smashed in the ruck. So I sort of felt that, that Sinkers and Co did a pretty good job, given that Maxie's probably arguably the, the best ruckman in the, in the competition. 
Totally agree. The one thing that really stood out for me was the fact that we had more centre clearances than Melbourne. Midfield pressure, dominance, what happened there, boys? Yeah, I think we're used to, you know, not perhaps winning all the hit-outs and hit-outs to advantage. I think we're, for quite a few years now, we haven't really had a star ruckman since the days of um, Shane Mumford in his prime. Um, so I think our midfield's kind of gotten used to reading the off the opposition ruck and really kind of taking advantage the minute the opposition midfielder gets it to um, play the tackles and get cracking on him. Yeah, agreed. What about disposal efficiency and efficiency inside 50? Actually much better this week. Very impressed. Yeah, definitely was. So uh, just looking up here, disposal efficiency. So yeah, 69% uh, to 68 I've got here from the AFL app. Um, mm -hmm. So pretty, pretty high from both sides, but we edged out Melbourne there. Uh, but efficiency inside 50 um, with our shots, we uh, really beat them there with over 50% um, of our inside 50s coming with uh, scoring shots. Do you know what our season average for efficiency inside 50 is, Ash? No idea, mate. 41.6%. So that's a massive mm -hmm. increase. That's something that we really need to work on. So where do you think we won it, Ash? What's your opinion and why? Um, in terms of the efficiencies inside 50s, um, the stats certainly suggest that that, was a, that played a big part in the win. Um, I'm not sure if that was actually true, but certainly the stats lean, lean towards that being a key ingredient. Um, our kicking into the forward line was definitely better than, than previous games this year and, and even the trend that we've had for a couple of seasons now, just bombing it along, whether we've had Franklin um, in the team or not. Um, so it's definitely a big improvement just one game, but definitely an improvement as to how we used it going inside 50. Um, having the two decent tall options with, with Reed and McLean, um, McLean, McLean, I don't know how you say it, um, working together rather than, you know, standing together, um, definitely helps that side of, of uh, inside 50 disposals for sure. Agreed. I actually think we've got found something in Hayden McLean. I actually think he could become quite a good forward target for us. What about you, Steve? What do you think? Yeah, I think um, our delivery inside 50 was great. And um, I'll get to a few more details on that uh, a bit later on. But I think Hayden McLean, you know, if Buddy's not fit, I think he has to be a best 22 key forward. Uh, he allows um, Tommy McCartan to play key back. Uh, and Tommy's playing, having really good form back there. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, he's that big body who can bring the ball to ground, but he can clunk a really good mark. He can do that better than McCartan has been doing in the past. And even yeah, his work around, like, work around the ground ball has been really good, really impressive as well for a big bloke. Agreed. He's actually got some very good hands and very good skills. Especially, did you see that tap that he did? I think it was in the third quarter down to McInerney. That was Pretty yeah, awesome. Wing, yeah, that yeah. was a ripper. Mm. He's, right. he's got a lot of work to do. You know, he's still pretty pretty young and pretty green. Um, but he's he's got a, a massive amount of potential by the looks of him. He's a good size. Yeah. Pretty interesting for a guy that was playing reserves two years ago in the Sandful. Yeah, well, I heard the commentators talking about that uh, when, I, when I had another look at some of the game tonight. And uh, it's a pretty interesting story that he was not even guaranteed a, a run in the sample, so. Yeah, 
That's right. Now look where he is. But anyway, let's move on to our best players for last week. I'm going to start. Now, this is a guy that everyone on the Swans Facebook pages, on the Swans chat lines, just rubbishes. Well, I'm going to say something to you people. Ryan Clark <laughs> is here to stay. 22 disposals, five tackles, one goal, a heap, and I mean a heap of defensive pressure. 202 metres gained, 14 defensive half pressure acts, and which I'm going to come back to later, boys, if you don't mind. The highest rated player for the Swans. Would this be a first for him? I think so. Probably a first in his career. And most importantly, 24 pressure acts, our highest by any single player of the season. Well done, Ryan Clark. You deserved all the plundance you've got. Anyone else, Ash? Yeah, yeah he was. Um, he's much maligned since he came to the Swans. I think he, he had a few good games early. Um, and since then, he's sort of struggled a bit with, with being given different roles and I think he's the kind of guy you just got to make it real simple with. Send him out with a real simple message, a real simple role, and I think he'll do a bloody good job. Tackle Agreed. anything that moves. Yep, tackle anything that moves. That's exactly right. All right, um, Stephen, on to our next player. Yeah, so I've got here um, the guy who actually got the rising star nom uh, for this round. Or I shouldn't say this week because it's all all the games <laughs> are happening at once at the moment. But uh, Justin McInerney. Yeah, Justin McInerney, what a bloody game he had. Um, for a guy who's only played seven games, he was looking just a class above at times. Um, running all day, running, floating forward and back. He was doing a lot of good stuff um, in defence, floating around. Uh, he had 14 disposals, 254 metres gained, uh, a clearance, 85% disposal efficiency. And that's one of his main strengths. He can do that. Um, he'll be doing that more often than not. Um, got himself a couple of goals as well. I think one of his um, one of the best things he did, especially in the second quarter, and this is something that Melbourne they shuffled around their structures a bit in the third quarter to try and fix this. He made Ed Langdon, who's a kind of accumulating outside mid wing type, he made him accountable as a defender, and you know being able to kind of float forwards because our, our delivery inside 50, we were kind of pulling back our kicks a bit. So bringing them a little bit shorter, leaving the Melbourne defenders behind. And McInerney was one of the guys who was, A, helped responsible for that delivery and also got a couple of goals for it. Yeah, well said. I think he was amazing actually in that game. And I think it was over 13 kilometres he went for in that game. So that's pretty good. And Ash, what about runs. you? Have you? Got a good, another player for us? Yeah, um, Lukey Parker, um, he just keeps cracking in every week, doesn't he? I mean, I I sort of have had him in my fantasy teams over the years, and this year I thought he might drop off a little bit, so I didn't put him in. Big mistake. He's just been great every week. Um, he's got a pretty high bar, so if he has a reasonably quiet game, he does he does get a little bit of criticism from, from the masses. But uh, what was his game against Melbourne? 24 disposals. Uh, over 260 metres gained, six clearances, five tackles, a couple of goals, 16 pressure acts. Every time you actually see the ball go to ground, he's got his head over it or trying to get his head over it. He's just an absolute beauty. And uh, I just love the fact that he's he's not, you know, in, in the Josh Kennedy age group because he's still got quite a lot of good years ahead of him, I reckon. Agreed. Captain Courageous, definitely. Anyone else from you, Stephen? 
Yeah, so another of the younger, uh, newer boys, Sammy Wicks. Blimey, can this guy bring, like, defensive pressure as a forward? It's just such a good strength, and it allows Papley to move a little bit further up the ground. Papley had a really, I think, a much better game in terms of his delivery inside 50. He was looking up and looking for better options rather than just going for goal himself. I think that was a, a big plus on his game. But back to Wixie, um, five tackles, three of them inside 50. So, you know, that kind of Papley role that he was doing before he's kind of broken out as this, you know, one of the best mm. small forwards in the comp. Before that, Papley was that kind of pressure forward who was laying tackles and just being manic in the Ford 50. Now it's Wixie and that's great. Um, had 18 pressure acts, which is just absolutely great to see for a Ford. Um, and 141 metres gained, again, for a Ford, that's a pretty decent stat. Agreed. And I think this has been deliberately set up, Ash, but I'm not sure because run, on our run notes, we've got Stephen doing the young guys and you doing the older guys. Now, I think <laughs> there's something that's happened here because you've got another one for us, I believe. Well, I think there's, there's probably a couple of things there. Stephen is a young fella compared to me and I am an old fella. Um, and I, I tend to sort of know a little bit less about the, the young up-and-coming players than Stephen does. So it's worked out quite well. Uh, yeah, my, my other player for, for the game was Josh Kennedy. Um, he's copped a fair bit of criticism lately, um, suggesting that his lack of speed is showing that he's done and dusted for his career. And, and if anything, we need to just push him forward for the rest of the season and then he should give it up. But I, I still think he's in our best 22. And if you add in his, his experience and his leadership, I think he should definitely play um, an, a year next year. And if he's not quite up to playing in the midfield, you can just push him to half forward. He's a very good kick for goal. Um, these stats don't sound particularly good, but he, he was just a really good contributor through the whole game. He just popped up um, at the at the opportunistic um, and required moments. Uh, six intercepts, six defensive half pressure acts, which is a pretty good pretty good stat that Steve's spoken of. Uh, 22 disposals, five tackles, 14 pressure acts. The the 22 disposals by his standards isn't great, but in this sort of season, anything in the 20s is 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 pretty solid for for a game. Um, anything in the 30s is is probably in the elite. 22 disposals along with those those other um, additions had a, a very solid game. I totally agree with you there, Ash. I think Josh Kennedy has it. And as long as we keep Rowbottom Parker and some of those other guys around him, I actually think Kennedy's got another couple of years playing that Gary Ablett-type role through the midfield, through the forward line. And most importantly, probably off a half-back flank, it just suit him perfectly. So anyway, we're going to move on to my own personal segment, the one I love, which is the other stuff. So this, for you guys who probably don't know about it, is where we talk about the stats that the media probably don't talk about. They don't tell us about it as much as what they should. So the stat I've chosen for this week, Stephen and Ash, is defensive harsh half pressure acts. The AFL defines this, so this is from the, direct from the AFL website, an act of pressure placed on the opposition in the defensive half of the ground, and in particular, your defensive 50. This is an interesting stat because you wouldn't realise this is such a big part of the game. If you are able to stop the opposition in this area, you go a long way to keeping your score down. We have three players very strong on the current list. Do you guys know who they are? 
Well, you've got it written down here, so yes. I didn't, but... I know. <laughs> ah, very good, Stephen. Very good. Yes, funny, funny, funny. So, yes, we have Luke Parker averaging 7.4 defensive pressure acts per game. Ryan Clark averaging 9.6. Admittingly, Ryan Clark has only been in the side, what, four or five games, but that's still pretty good effort. And our leader, and my favourite because he's Tasmanian, and the one person I think is becoming the general of our back line, Mr. Robbie Fox, on 10.7 defensive pressure acts per game. And I'd just like to say a shout-out to John Fox, Robbie's dad. And don't forget, you owe me, John. Yeah, well done, Mr. and Mrs. Fox. I'm making a great uh, young footballer there. Yeah. So <laughs> does this surprise you, Stephen? Anything about this to surprise you? I'm surprised at how well um, Robbie's just come on in leaps and bounds this year. Being given that key defensive role, he's just, you know, gone to it like a duck to water. Um, and I think that's a wrong analogy there. But anyway, um, <laughs> I, well, if um, Sam Wicks is the guy who's letting Tom Papley kind of play his role better, I reckon Robbie Fox is the guy who might let Aaliyah Aaliyah play his role better. Um, I'm just looking here at Aaliyah's stats and I think he had like, eight possessions, but seven of them were intercept possessions. Yeah. Um, so and, and Rampy too, I reckon, next year when he's back. And Fox yeah, is going to help him tremendously. Yeah, having both those two who have such high kind of, you know, work ethic and desire and drive, um, I think will really kind of invigorate that back line. And um, yeah, if you ask me at the start of the season, if Robbie Fox doing that, I would tell you you're drinking too much. Yep, agreed. And the thing is, I don't think I've actually seen him get beaten by an opposition player yet. I think in the last four no. games, he's had a total of two goals kicked on him. That's mm. pretty good for a defensive... And, a he, small... and he, still, he still goes about things real quietly and you, you don't really notice him all that much. until you like. I, I re-watched the game tonight and I don't watch games more than once very often. Mm-hmm. And when you're actually looking for things like that, you realise just how many one-on-one scenarios that he just comfortably beats his opponent on. If you're watching it live, you almost don't even notice him. Yeah, that's right. And if you look at it, he had 14 defensive half pressure acts for the game. He, he only had three possessions, but he had no goals kicked on him. Now, that's, yeah, that's a pretty right. good effort. So, yeah. anyway, we're going to move on. And I'm not going to call it the McDonald's I'm loving it, but we are going to have the I'm loving it. So, Ash, what are you loving? All right. This, this will be uh, a bit of a contentious one for you, Steve, because I know you want to see him in the ruck. But I love seeing Aaliyah back in defence. I rate him as a defender. I think he's a, a very versatile defender. I think he holds his own in the ruck, but that's not his strong suit. And what I, I actually think if we put him in the ruck for a couple of years, we'll break him anyway. Um, so it was good. It was really good to see him back in defence. I mean, I, I don't know what his stats were. I think Stephen mentioned he only had eight, eight disposals or eight possessions. But uh, just it was just great to see against the Demons how valuable and impressive he can be, just drifting along the back line, intercepting forward entries, bringing the ball to ground when he needs to. He does have a tendency to punch the ball into the grandstand when he could have marked it in front of his opponent. Agreed. But I'd rather he do that than, than let it get through. So, yeah, I'm, I'm loving seeing him back in defence and I hope they keep him there because if they leave him there, he's got a future with this club. If they keep moving him forward, back, ruck, I think you'll get delisted. Yep. 
Fair point, and I totally agree. And don't get me wrong, I don't actually want to see him in the ruck. What I actually think is he's our best <laughs> ruckman currently because yep. while I love Cal Sinclair, he's actually not very good around the ground, whereas Aaliyah Aaliyah actually gives us that extra midfield option, just like Adam Goods did. The only difference is Aaliyah goes ruck back, Goods used to go ruck forward. So that's the yep. only thing I think. What about you, Stephen? What are you loving? Um, they're the team on top of the ladder, and I want to kind of pick a, like, a specific point about Port Adelaide. Um, their midfield, oh, I wish we had some of those players. Um, Ollie Wines and Travis Boak, who is kind of, since he turned 30, has just kind of gone up another five gears. He's suddenly like a, you know, in contention for Australian probably a, a sneaky shout for a Brownlow this year um, if Lockie Neal happens to get suspended. Um, and then they've got such good young blokes like Rosie, Butters, Sturzma. Um, they've just got a really well-balanced list and they're actually you know, really good to see and watch um, just as a neutral. Yep, I agree with you. And I'm actually on a very similar plane to you. I'm actually loving the Cats. I love their game style. I love the way they move the ball. I love their defensive pressure. And I love the fact they're doing it without a lot of their stars at the moment because Selwood's not playing well when he's in the team. Dangerfield is just an absolute jet, but they're missing Ablett. They're missing numerous players and they're still going. And if Menegola does not get all Australian this year, it is rigged. He is going best, so well. Yeah. And best wingman in the comp. Agreed. Totally the best wingman. And Blitzarves, you know, and even Josh Jenkins came in this week, played his first game, and he dominated. Didn't dominate in the hitouts, but around the ground, he was just brilliant. And that's a guy who played his first game for the club. So they've just got it all. And Chris Scott, I would love to have him as a coach. Not saying I don't rate horse. We all know how I feel about horse, but not saying I don't, but I would love to have Chris Scott. Anyway. Let's move on. So, Ash, what is annoying you at the moment? Well, I mean, I could, I could jump on the coach. It would be pretty easy. <laughs> You're talking about Chris Scott. What I love about Chris Scott is that he, he just always looks calm and in control. This, this season, horse looks like someone's throwing a hand grenade in the coach's box every game. It's, that's out of control. Yeah. Anyway, um, basically, I, I've, I've put a few things down here. And, and the one thing that's the most consistent with me over the last season and a half is the Swans playing uh, guys in positions far too often, far too regularly. You play forward for a couple of weeks and then you play in defence for a couple of weeks and then you're omitted for no good reason and then you're brought back in for no good reason. Uh, I know it's, it's handy to have players who can play more than one role and it's sort of the modern footy that you want guys that can, can play in the midfield, push back, push forward. But I feel like we've taken it too far, even though we've got some injuries and sometimes it's unavoidable. But I sort of feel like the club's getting too too many guys that are just decent in a few roles and aren't A-graders in any of them. And I'd rather see a guy who's an A-grade midfielder who can push forward occasionally and help out than have a guy who's not bad midfielder and a not bad forward. So some guys, I mean, look at Ryan Clark. Some guys are just bloody good at one thing Yep. And we need to focus on that one thing and get the boat the best out of them. Let them focus on their strengths. The other thing that I've put down here in conjunction with that is consistent connections of priceless in footy. To know as a midfielder 
that you're going to have certain forwards leading to certain areas or something like that. Those connections are priceless. It all becomes second nature and you don't have to think about it. Having guys like McCartan going forward, back, forward, back, you're just losing that continuity. And I think it actually hurts the team, even though I know we're doing a bit of experimentation over, over the course of the year. It's a good year to do it. And we've got some injuries. We've got some kids that we're getting games into. But I just think we do it too much. Couldn't have said it better myself, mate. That is a terrific analysis. And I think you are right. And the quicker we actually set it up and actually have players playing in their correct positions, we'll see them grow. Look at Robbie Fox. He was actually drafted as a small mid-backman. So you look at that. Where's he playing his best football? Small mid-backman. So we've got to start doing it. Horse, you've got to start to look at it. But anyway, Stephen, what's annoying you? Um, For me, it's injuries just um, around the AFL, really. I mean, I just heard today that um, the young Essendon kid, Irving Mosquito, has done an ACL and probably will miss most of the 2021 season as well as the rest of this year, um, which is a shame because he's, again, one of those guys you just love to watch. Um, Nathan Jones, who is like, just a bee's dick away from 300 games. He um, is, you know, picking up a few niggles here and there, just kind of wonder whether he'll make it. Um, it's just those things which you kind of hate to see. Yeah, yes. I was worried about Mosquito because I saw him go down live and it just, mm. it actually looked like the way he went down, it looked like an Achilles had snapped, but he, but he grabbed his knee, so you knew it wasn't that. So it had to, it had to be an ACL, that one, unfortunately. Mm. Yep, and it's a very difficult one. Well, I'm going to tell you what mine is, and mine's going to be a bit of a rant, and I have to say, and it's coaches. (laughs) One of those actually is actually something that was brought up and around Mosquito. Did you know he was a Hawthorne Next Gen Academy player? Yep. Yep. Ash, well, that's interesting. So Clarkson actually brought it up, and Clarkson actually made some comments about John Longmire in the week. So Alistair Clarkson, and I know you're not listening, but you should be listening to this. (laughs) <laughs> you need to stop whinging, mate. You need to actually focus on your team. You actually said in 2017 that your team was getting old and you kept them on the list to actually try and win the fourth premiership. Well, they're still here in 2020. It's time to move them on. The reason your club has gone down the gurgler is because you want to win without getting young talent in. You don't have to go to the draft, but you do have to trade out the old guys into teams that are in the eight and bring in some guys that you can actually build the club around. Yes, you brought in Mitchell. Yes, you brought in O'Meara. But two guys in the midfield who can't actually use the ball very well are not the people that you will actually win games with. The other coach, the guy I hate more than any other coach in the league. Harsh. Harsh. Mr. Simon Goodwin, Mr. Goodwin, if you are listening, listen to this. You are not a coach. You were a terrific player. You have one style of play. You were based around Paul Ruse and tried to modify what he did to actually make it your own. It does not work. You have one of the best midfields in the league. You have the best ruckman. You have one of the best backmen in the league. You have yep. a really good setup forward line. And yet you can't win 
games. That is not the playing list, my friend. That is your coaching style and your team's coaching style. Until you actually change it, you will not be any good. Rant over. <laughs> one, one, one thing I'd like to add to that, imagine how Alan Richardson feels going from, from being a head coach to being second in charge to Simon Goodwin if what you're saying about Goody is <laughs> even half true. Well, that's right. But if you look at it, the stats actually tell you this. He's basically tried to modify a Paul Ruse style to suit his own, and it just doesn't work. Like, seriously, yeah. I would love some of those midfielders in our team. And having Max gone, they should be winning every centre clearance. And yet the Swans, with a half-assed midfield, beat them. Mm. Now tell me yep. what's going on there. Oh, they're anyway. absolutely underachieving for the list they've got. That's right. And no doubt about that. Yeah. And that the fourth, when they finished fourth, that was where they should be, really. But their coaching style just doesn't hold up. Mm. But anyway, boys, we've actually had quite a few comments and questions this week, which is really good. So it means that people are starting to listen. And uh, I might say, must say we had about 380-odd listeners last week. So that's really good. So oh, let's keep that growing. Good job, mate. Great job. So, um, our first one is Mr. Josh Maher, a former Swanscast podcast member. And he said, which position is best for Tommy McCartan? So, Ash, I'm going to hand that one over to you because you've already talked about it. Um, look, personally, I think he's better forward. Oh. Um, which is, is probably, I mean, I don't know if unpopular opinion is the right, right way of putting it, but... Um, Someone was saying to me during the week, it might have been one of you guys, that I think being in defence for the short term is going to be good for his development. And in a couple of years, he's probably going to be an absolute gun centre-half forward. And, and I hadn't thought about it that way until it got put to me as, as that as an option. And um, I'd probably say, for now, in defence is probably the best. But I think he's a better forward than a defender. Fair enough. Stephen, what about you? Yeah, um... I yeah, basically the same as that. I think short term, what he's been doing now in defence is great. I hope long term he does take a spot on the forward line. Um, I mean, kind of a similar kind of story in a smaller sort of way. Uh, Will Haywood was in defence um, a couple of times in the past couple of weeks. I think this week, um, you know, being played back forward again, back playing play in the forward line, back forward sounds stupid. Um, <laughs> I think he has improved on previous weeks. Um, just his leading patterns, his uh, work around the congested stuff was a bit is a bit better, um, and hopefully a similar sort of thing can happen for McCartan. He's one of the best set shots on the list too, from what I've seen. Yep, I agree with you there, and probably got the best set of hands. And I totally agree with everything you've said. I think down back is the perfect position for him now. But in two years, I would have him playing forward. All right. Nick Gibbs, Ash, over to you. Right. Well, just just to preface this, I I haven't had any chance to actually do any any reading of any of these comments, so I'm on the fly here. All right. Uh, Swan's you... chance. No, no, so that's okay. okay. Nick Gibbs says Swan's chance of getting in the finals if eight and fourteen all lose, and if the Swans win all of their matches. Um, I'll put this very bluntly. None of that's going to happen. So I think we are absolutely not even Nunn and Buckley's chance of finals. I think we're zero chance of finals. We may beat Carlton. I think that's probably a 50-50. Uh, 
Brisbane and Geelong will absolutely smash us. So, yeah, my my short answer to that one is not even close. I agree. And if he actually looks at it, most some of those teams actually play each other, so not all of them can lose. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't actually fit anyway. All right. I, I love the I love the optimism though, Nick. Yeah, I agree, and he's one of our actual faithful listeners, so that's good. So. Oh, Pierre, has Horse done enough to satisfy all the naysayers in this group? No need for an answer is rhetorical. No matter what he does, he'll still get bagged unfairly. Stephen, what do you think of this comment? <laughs> Can I just Look, interject uh, for a second? Is there an it. intended pun then to say the naysayers for Horse? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> That's great. It's spelled wrong, good. but anyway. Sorry to jump in there, mate. No, that was good. Um, Look, as someone who has, you know, taken a shot at some of the horse's tactics in the past, I think he's, he's able to change things around a bit better than he has in, you know, previous times this year. Um, I mean, and to be fair, we've had a lot of uh, key guys out and, you know, we've had to kind of, you know, throw darts at the team list randomly and see what sticks. Um, but I think, you know, things like getting Fox as that key, playing that key defence role, playing cutting back now, bringing guys like Wicks and, you know, seeing how these guys go. And I think, you know, guys like James Bell as well have, um, you know, done enough to hold a spot into a next contract. Um, I think he's doing pretty well at developing what's, you know, the third youngest list in the comp. Yep, I totally agree. So, the next one's from Ellie Habak. And he says, so welcome, Ellie. I know you've been on listening lots and lots, and he listens to every podcast. Boys, I'm sure you know who Ellie is. And he says, and I want you to answer this one, Ash, because I think you've got a pretty good understanding of it. How do you see the Sydney Swans going in two to five years? Oof. I, I think within a five-year time frame, I think we'll be returning to finals. But I'm thinking probably that that fifth year at best, if you take out this year. So you'd say at the end of the fifth season after this one, I think we'll be absolutely in finals and maybe even year four, you know, just in that sort of eight to ten range. Um, I think getting games into some of these kids has worked well for us. In, in some capacity, but you then look at a couple of guys like um, Ollie Florent and um, the Lizard, they've sort of really had that, that sort of tapering off. And I'm not sure whether that's COVID related and they're, they're not doing well with the compressed schedule, but I think it's still going to take us a fair bit of time for those kids to become absolute good players. And I'm not sure that I've got a lot of faith in this one's recruiting over the last few years. We used to be, I mean, that, that's probably a bit of a, you know, pointless statement, but we used to be one of the, one of the great teams at recycling players, getting guys who weren't wanted by their clubs and not just turning them into contributors, but turning them into absolute sensational players. I don't think we do that very well anymore. I know we threw a lot of our eggs in, in the Buddy Franklin basket and Tippett and Reed and all that sort of stuff, but a lot of their stuff hasn't made a lot of sense for a few years now. So I think, you know, there's a lot of positives and, and the kids are, are playing well. 
in, at times. So, short answer, I think by the end of the fifth season, we'll be back into playing finals and we should be a force to be reckoned with again. Yeah, short-term pain for long-term gain. And I agree with you. Something that correlates from what you just said, have you noticed when we stopped getting really good recycled players? Do you, have you worked that out at all? You'd love this one, Stephen. When was it? <laughs> no, I'm sure you can answer agree. this, Stephen. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you're wanting me to say the buddy word, aren't you? Uh, well, buddy is part of it, but not only that, it actually dates Tip back it. even further. It's actually Tip John it. Longmire. No. Oh, we have not recruited a recycled player that's done well since John Longmire has been coach. All mm. Kennedy and all McGlynn and all those guys were in the final years of Ruse. Wow. What, what is that? Fascinating actually? stat. Mm. So there you go. So there's the coaches something a lot more to say than the list management than you think. Yes. I should just point out though, we have been, you know, waxing eloquent about Ryan Clark and, you know, Jackson Pillow is another guy who's coming to the best 22 and isn't doing too bad. So maybe we're kind of firing our shots a little bit early. And those two are <laughs> oh, pretty young I guys as well. I think those guys so. are fringe players, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. But they're, they're going well, to be, they're not going to be elite. Thing. Yeah. They're not no, going no, to be true. elite. Yeah. So anyway, let's move on. Daryl Downs has said, I live in Townsville, but luckily I was in Cairns last week and I attended the game at Kazali's. How impressive is that setup? Well, sorry, Daryl, I've never been there. What about you boys? No. 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 Anyway, the AFL should be sending a game a month to there in Darwin. Yep, I totally agree. I think we should be sending games more around the country more often. Totally think we should be sending games out. And I've actually got a theory on this, boys, and I'm actually going to tell you this. What we should be doing is they should be playing a 25-game season. They should be playing 12 home, 12 away, and every team then should have to play one game in a regional area. So like then it. you might go and it actually will actually build up the benefits of other regional areas like Darwin, like wherever it is around the country. And every team has to play one home game in one of those areas and build up the capacity in those areas. And you would actually see a massive development. And I'd actually be putting on a few women's games in those ones as well and actually making yeah, it a 100%. regional round. Great idea. Yeah, it's great. Yep. I, look, if you really want to make it a true, you know, Australian football league, I think playing more games up north is just a really good way to go. Yep. Totally sure. agree. And you won't get a 25-game season while Paddy Dangerfield's in charge of the AFLPA, though. No, that's true. But Daryl makes another interesting observation. I want to be to the. I went to the excellent Pier Bar in Cairns Saturday night, and the AFL was on the big screen, and the NRL was on the smaller one. The only city in Queensland that would happen, <laughs> I assure you. I bet that is yep. true, mate. I bet that yep. is true. 100%. So, Ash, John Langford, a fellow Tasmanian diehard Swan supporter. <laughs> Joe to come to Sydney or Ben Brown? What do you think? Is it an either or? Yes, either or. So you have to pick one or the other? Yep. Ben Brown. Ben Brown. Stephen? I, I don't want either of them, but if I have to pick one, Ben, ben Brown. Brown. Yeah. Stephen, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd probably prefer one of the guys who I think might be mentioned in one of the next questions. Um, but if I had to pick one, 
look, Joe's Daniel Hurst had one good season. Ben Brown's had like three years of 60 plus goals in a row. I'd go Ben Brown and well, um, guys like, you know, Blakey and McCartan develop. Yeah, I agree. And I think we've actually got the crumbing forwards that would be really good around Ben Brown. The only thing is I worry about our kicking with him as our forward. That would be the big mm. concern for me because he is a very lead up forward. Great set of hands, but the more Tasmanians in the Swans, the better off they are. <laughs> All right, Stephen, over to Mitchell Dawkins. I'll let you read it out. Yeah, here we go. So here's one of the guys I was talking about, I was thinking would be mentioned. So Mitchell says, if Paps leaves to go to Carlton, what player or players would you like to be sent to the Swans? Uh, Mitchell says, he personally would love to see Charlie Kerno and Paddy Dow in our colours. Either one of those in a first round pick or both in a first round. Oof. What do you think? Uh, firstly, I think Paddy Dow is probably one of the worst first round picks I've seen play. He's shown very little development. Isn't best 22 by a long shot. I think he's been dropped again this week. Um, I'd maybe give a fifth round pick for him, maybe. And if Papley were to go, look, Charlie Kernow, I think would be a great asset for us. I think, yep. um, especially at the S, like at a ground like the SCG, I think he'd do quite well. Um, it'd give him a bit more scope to run around more of a smaller ground. Yep. Um, and in terms of picks, when Papley was um, talked about going to leave uh, last year at the end of the 2019 season, pick nine was kind of what was mentioned um, around the kind of media blocks. Yeah. And it was all dependent on whether we'd get down to her and all that stuff. But now I think Papley's just kind of gone up another gear. I think you have to give more than pick nine worth. Um, you know, if it's ideally what I'd love to see is a first round pick and a future first round. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be great for us. Um, if Charlie Kerno gets put in there as well, so much the better. And, you know, if perhaps decides to stay, then great again. Yep, agreed. Has, has Charlie Kerno been requesting <clears throat> trade or is this just a name that got thrown up because he's a Carlton? Yeah, so there's been a lot of talk. Um, Carlton have quite a strong list-wise in terms of their key position forwards. So they've got um, yep. Tom DeKoenig, who's debuted this year, Harry Mackay, who's a great contested mark, Mitch McGovern. Um, so I think guys like Gary Lyon in particular, I think, has said that, you know, they should Carlton to try and be proactive and move on one of these guys to improve in the ground elsewhere. Um, yep. And Charlie Kerno is one of those. And I think, you know, were he not injured, he'd probably be the best out of their key forwards. But with injury, there's that question mark in the air, I guess. That's, that's the one worry I have with Charlie Kerno is he is now going to be injury prone. We already have enough yep. of those on our list. My, it's very simple. This is what I would do. If Papley wants to go, and I'm not 100% certain he does now, but if he does, straight swap Sam Walsh for Tom Papley. <laughs> oh, I wish. Yep. No. That'd be a straight swap. You know, why not? He's young enough. They could, he, Tom Papley fills a role because, let's face it, Eddie Betts isn't going to be there anymore. They could pick up another midfielder this year in the draft because it's already so compromised they'll get one anyway. We get Sam Walsh. We need a young midfielder. Win-win for both teams, I think. I disagree there. I think Sam Walsh is the probably second best midfielder behind Paddy Cripps, and he is, what, not even 20 yet? Yeah, that's right. That's why I want him. He's, he's a, exactly. Like, there's a reason why you're wanting him. 
I think Carlton know that as well. I think they know what just what a gem they've got on their hands. Yeah, but Papley's probably our best forward and he's probably one of our top midfielders when he goes in there. So, you know. <laughs> okay, so Marcus Lawton. Lawton? Lawton. I cannot really think of a Carlton player I would like at the Swans within reason. One player I wouldn't mind the team to look at if available is Witherden. He doesn't seem to be getting many games down back for the Lions. Could do a three-way trade with, with O to us. Lions get down and Papley goes to the Blues. I'd want more than Alex Witherden, I think. Yeah. The Lions wouldn't want Dow for him anyway. That's a pretty yeah. shitty deal for the, for the Lions. But it's, it's a good idea in, in terms of if you could then trade some picks as well. Yeah. In theory, it's a, it's a, it's a workable deal because Witherden's not getting the game. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <clears throat> I could see the Lions wanting an extra pick. And I think, you know, I think we'd need a first round pick from Carlton because, you know, um, for the Blues, you know, getting Papley and giving up Dow, that's a ridiculous win for them. So I think it's like a first round pick to us, maybe throwing a second or third with Dow to get with O, that might work. Um, uh, but yeah, I, they, those kind of, you know, three team, four team trades. It's very rare that they actually work out. I think list managers are a, they're a picky bunch. All right. I've got a better one. How's this? Down to the Lions, <laughs> Papley to the Blues, Harris to the Swans. <laughs> that is a better one, but you won't get him. <laughs> no, I don't think so either, but it would be good. <laughs> All right. I was well, going to just mention before, just a yep. real quick one. Um, you were talking about the best spot for McCartan. Mm-hmm. I think that will also be determined by what, players we get and what we lose we're obviously going to lose buddy we don't know what's going to happen with sam reed in the next two three years mm-hmm. we might be a couple of key position forwards short and we might get a good defender in papley back Alib might continue his good form you might need to push mccartan forward as opposed to wanting him to play forward yes that's a good point that's a very valid point because mm. we don't know what's okay. going to happen over the next two years but we're coming to the end of our show, so we need to actually look at our next game, which is tomorrow night at 8.10, Metricon Stadium. Team changes, Stephen. Has there been any? Nope. Nothing. Same team as this week. So Mills stays out, McLean stays in. Um, yeah, what, what do we think of that? Mills staying out. Must be pretty bad. What was it calf strain, was it? Yes, it was a calf strain, and I'd suggest it was known before the game that he was actually not going to play, and it was playing a little bit of a dodgy. That would be my thinking. Mm. Mm. Well, given that the club basically said he was probably 70-30 to play and they were just being careful, that sounds like a pile of you-know-what to me because he's now missing another week. Yeah, and how many times have the Swans done with this with Buddy? You know, he's very close and then doesn't play. Oh, and Reed, he's very close yep. but then doesn't play. Anyway, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand all the the uh, secret school stuff. No, me either. Mm. And we've had these conversations. Not engaging offline. for the fans. No. Mm. Another guy. Another guy who should be ready to play. Um, who wasn't named was Caden Brand. Although, given the way our defensive structures have been in the past weeks, I can kind of see why he has been brought back in. But there you go. Yeah. Agreed. Anyway, Ash, what do you think the key to this game is? How do we beat Carlton? Um, I'm sort of going to go off on a different different tangent just quickly. I don't think 
who we're playing in the matchups are as important for the rest of this season and for 2021 mm-hmm. as just maintaining effort over longer periods of time. I think we need to focus more on just extending our effort um, for more than a quarter at a time, um, as opposed to being too caught up in who we're playing and what our matchups are. We're having a lot of games in the last year and a half where our first quarters are very full on. You've got 15, 16 blokes chasing the ball around the park for an entire quarter. The effort's great, but at the end of the first quarter, they're gassed. So we've had quite a few second quarters this year where we've scored very low, where we scored one behind. So I just think focusing on trying to extend our effort over sort of three or four quarters is probably a better goal for each game as opposed to necessarily saying, how do we beat this team? Because I don't think winning and losing, as much as I hate to say it, I don't think winning and losing should be the first thing for the club to consider for the next 18 months. I totally agree with you. And Stephen, what do you think? How do we beat Carlton? Yeah, I agree with what I've said. Um, I think, you know, whilst winning and getting the right culture and mentality back is great, we do kind of want a good draft pick as well, just quietly. Yes. For this year. <laughs> yeah. um, but look, if we were to beat Carlton, I think we need to keep, keep our pressure up. The way we did um, against Melbourne in our forward 50 and defensive 50. Yeah. Um, don't make it easy for their key forwards. Keep pressure on guys like um, Jacob Wiedering, who's had a great year. He's one of their key pillars down back and he's a young guy. Don't make things easy for them in that 50. And I think the midfield will take care of itself from there. And I think also another thing which would be great, not to have a goalless quarter. I mean, we had our third quarter um, against Melbourne. We didn't kick a goal. We kicked two behinds. If we mm-hmm. kick a goal, at least a goal in each quarter, I reckon we're a shot. Yep. I, I honestly think if, if we play like we did against Melbourne, we should beat Carlton. Because I think, I think we've shown that our even this year is still good enough to win those kind of games. Um, so I think we're, we're, we're a really good chance of beating Carlton this weekend, in my opinion. Agreed. Agreed. And in saying that, did you know we are now up to, over the past two years, 19 goalless quarters? Oof. That's horrendous. So and yet, there is a stat for the stat man. $19 <laughs> quarters in the past two seasons. So my opinion, if we keep the defensive pressure up, in particularly in our back half and our midfield actually run both ways, we will beat Carlton. But I'll be brutally honest, I actually don't want to because I actually want to stay lower down the ladder so we actually get better draft picks. And we're not going to finish 18th, 16th or... Um, 18th, 17th or 16th now, but we still can finish 15th and that's where I think we need to go. But gentlemen, it has been a pleasure having you on tonight. That's it for Swans Talk episode five. To the listeners out there, yes, it's meant to be 20 minutes and I understand that, but we've actually gone for an hour tonight. Yeah, 20 minutes each is exactly right. (laughs) So that's fine. We had 20 minutes each. So Stephen and Ash, thanks for joining me and I hope to have you back on again soon. Cheers, guys. Go Bloods. Thanks, boys. Thanks for listening, guys. Go Bloods. Cheer, cheer, the red and the white.